Well, hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. Thanks for joining us. As always, we really do appreciate your support wherever you are in Australia or around the world. Thanks for tuning in. Now, this week's episode is a very special one. And, you know, last week I got to share a journey with three men, all sharing a disability, who uh, were representing the team Empower Golf. Now, Empower Golf is an organization headed up by James Gribble, its founder, uh, a quadriplegic. And James's mission was to show Australia and the world that uh, destination and location of golf course isn't a barrier. If you are a golfer that identifies with all abilities, you can get into the game, you can play golf, and there are pathways for you. And Empower Golf provide those pathways. James is, is the founding member of uh, Empower Golf, and uh, he's assisted by his operations manager, Ben Tullipan. Now, Ben and I roomed together, as you'll learn in the podcast, for the week, and uh, I got to know Ben pretty well during the journey, and he is a sensational man. And uh, Ben is very passionate about helping golfers who identify with uh, a disability get into the game of golf if uh, if that's what they want to do, and Empower Golf provide the pathways, the support, uh, all of the NDIS um, infrastructure support around golfers with disability getting into the game of golf. They do an amazing job. And we went to King Island. We went to Tasmania uh, with the courtesy of Air Adventure Golf Tours. And uh, the guys set about taking on these courses. Uh, They took the courses on with great gusto. Uh, They took the courses on in a variety of conditions. It was uh, beautiful sunshine, as you'd hope. Uh, It was howling rain. It was howling winds. And... None of those conditions, the inclement ones, uh, held any of the group back. Now, the group was James, as I said, Ben, and a King Island local, Jigs Denby, and three amazing men, as I said, supported by a group of James's mates. So, and I got to go along and document it. Part of that documenting was, was spending time with Ben and learning more about his story. And today, on the 12th of October, 2022, represents 20 years to the day where 88 people lost their lives in the Bali bombings, very close to home in Australia. And Ben was one of the lucky survivors. And not a day goes past where Ben isn't reminded about the incidents uh, that took place in Bali. So it was only pertinent that we recorded uh, while we were sitting in our room waiting to go out and play a little bit of Ben's story about Empire Golf mostly. But of course, with the 20-year anniversary of the Bali bombings, it was... Appropriate that we remember the people that lost their lives by Ben sharing his story. He shares his story a lot. And then I think every time that he shares that story, his emotions and uh, everything that surfaces back up around that story comes back to Ben. And it was an emotional chat uh, when we got to the talking about the events of the night 20 years ago. And uh, But Ben recalls it. He considers himself very lucky, of course, but his thoughts are always with the families of people who lost loved ones that night and uh, I think that's part of the reason why he continues to share that story as somewhat memory to the people that lost their lives and the families. Uh, an amazing man, Ben Tullivan, plays golf with, uh, he's a bilateral amputee, so that means he plays golf on two prosthetic legs. One is fitted below the knee and one is fitted above the knee and uh, he gets around with a smile on his face from the moment he wakes up to the moment that he goes to bed. Uh, he is a passionate man about golf. He's a passionate man about life. And I think you can appreciate the fact of me getting to spend uh, a few days and nights documenting uh, these gentlemen playing golf and seeing their joy. 
as soon as we hit the ground at Cape Wickham, it was nearly on dark. Uh, it wasn't even a scheduled golf day, but James, Ben and Jigs all got the golf clubs out. They were the first ones on the tee, charging the troops to uh, get out there and play five holes before dark on Cape Wickham. And uh, it was it was amazing. So this is the story of Ben Tullipan, uh, Empower Golf and uh, the great work that they do. And it's a story of uh, the events that took place for Ben Tullipan on the night 20 years ago to the day in uh, in Bali. So enjoy the episode. And uh, if you want to support Empower Golf, you know, they are an organisation that need a load of support to help golfers with all abilities get into the game and provide the coaching and the path, pathways. If you are a PGA golf coach, of course, uh, they can help you navigate the qualifications to help golfers with disability, but also importantly, how you can grow your business as a golf professional and uh, some of the paperwork that's involved in the government support that provides uh, the abilities for golfers with disability to play golf. Uh, they help you access that and do all of the admin around that. So they do really do make it easier if you are a PGA coach and they need more coaches because golf's a game that's growing. We are very thankful for that. Uh, golf's a game that's growing for pe- all people. And uh, and we've seen the growth of uh, all abilities golf on the DP World Tour, for example. You know, Mike Brown is a great friend of the podcast. He's going from strengths to strengths on the professional level, but at a local level, it's growing as well, and uh, and these guys are doing a great job. Anyway, enough from me. Let's chat to Ben Tullipan from Empower Golf. Thanks for joining. Ben Tullipan, welcome to the My Love of Golf podcast. It's an absolute pleasure and a privilege to be sitting here next to you in uh, I think it's one of your favourite places. It's definitely in the top three of my favourite places in terms of golfing destinations. We're here at Barnboogle Dunes. We're here courtesy of Air Adventure Golf Travel. Ben, how are you, mate? Fantastic. Going well. Mate. How could you not be happy in a place like this? Mate, let's, let's just, before we get into the, into the details of why we are, mm-hmm. of a bit more about you and, and your story and you know, what's led you to be part of this great trip here that we're on. Just help us understand why we're here. Why are we here at Barnboogle Dunes? We've just come from Cape Wickham, King Island. Why are we here? Yeah, look, we're, we're here at Barnboogle Dunes just to try and weigh, raise awareness of disabled golf throughout Australia. Um, basically to prove that, you know, we can play the remote courses. We can get out and, and play anywhere we want to play. And, you know, your disability is, is no boundary to do that. We've seen unbelievable examples of that the last two days you know so just for the, the benefit of everyone at home this trip air adventure golf travel who are a massive supporter of empower golf so ben's part of the empower golf organization wanted to sh- help empower golf showcase that golfers of all abilities golfers that identify with a disability you know can travel can experience some of the world's best golf that we have here in australia obviously king island cape wickham and ocean dunes and now here at barnboogle is certainly some of the most remote golf in the world. I think we all know that. But um, you know, just the fact that we can get a Paramotion uh, golf buggy on a plane and ship that across to King Island uh, and then have one here available in Tasmania from the guys that support uh, Empower Golf here in Tasmania. Um, you, know, you don't use the Paramotion buggy, that's James. James, Gr- James Gribble is, is here with us and he's the founder of Empower Golf and, uh, and an amazing individual. You know, I've just had the privilege of watching 
and, and filming and photog photographing James, his mates, and Ben, and uh, Jigs Denby, another iconic Tasmanian or King Island golfer, uh, who I realised when I met him, I'd already already knew Jigs because I've, I've helped him with his golf clubs in the store. But Ben, you know, you don't use the the um, paramotion buggy. Yeah, yeah, I'm a bilateral leg amputee, one above knee, one below knee. Um, that's a result of the 2002 Bali bombings. I play like a uh, an average uh, able-bodied golfer. Um, I'm of two prosthetic legs. However, yesterday I could have done with a paragolfer. The winds were up and uh, I was uh, like a tower ready to tip. Um, so it, it would have kept me a lot more stable, but, you know, I, I kept battling on and we, we had fun out there. It was fantastic. Yeah, the winds yesterday at uh, Ocean Dunes, it's like maybe 50, 60 kilometre hour gusts. And, yeah, it obviously provided a, a huge challenge for you. It provided a challenge for James, you know, in the paramotion but you know he got covered 18 holes of golf. You know, for you seeing you out there and not wanting to give up was obviously inspiring. Just being here is inspiring. But you know, seeing you out there with you know, the smile on all of your three of your faces hasn't stopped from ear to ear from the moment that we you know, basically got to Essendon Airport. You know, to see you yesterday, not wanting to give up and having a crack and, and having a laugh at you know when when you nearly you know, did topple over a couple of times, you know, the first thing that you do is laugh and then the first thing that we do after that is join on and, and laugh with you because um, I guess it's, is that a way of coping with, you know, the challenging situation? I, I don't know, what, what does it feel like when you're out there? Look, I've, I've always been positive and happy and, you know, you've you got to have a laugh and have fun. Um, you know, that's, that's what golf and life is about, you know, being positive, um, believing in yourself and achieving your goals and, you know, you have some speed ups along the way and, you know, one of them might be me falling over, but hey, I'll always get back up and, and have a go. And it's, you know, it, it just adds a bit, of, a bit of fun to the day. And if you can make a joke out of it, that's fantastic. It's awesome. There was a moment yesterday and, and I was thinking it. I was, had the camera on and I was thinking it and then you came along and just encapsulated it beautifully. So one of James's friends from Sydney, uh, who was obviously like me, an able-bodied golfer. He plays with no disability. He was down doing his stretches. He was in a, using a stretch position that I use on the golf course. And you, know, you get down and cross your legs over and stretching. And I thought, Ben can't stretch like that. And then you just came along. And tell us, tell us what you did when you came along. Yeah, look, I, I got down in a, a similar sort of position, but I twisted one of my legs around backwards. And it, it just adds a bit of fun to it. And so yeah. well, if you have a look at some of the pictures that are on, you know, we'll, we'll post the picture, but uh, you know, Ben basically, you know, his, his uh, leg that articulates at the knee, and if, you know, he can just flick it around there. You can hear it beep. It's uh, one of these unbelievable German uh, bionic legs, and uh, it's got hydraulics in it, which uh, this is elite to the next level, what this machine is uh, capable of doing and supporting Ben getting around. Tell us about it a little bit more, Ben. Yeah, so the, the, the leg you're talking about there is the above knee one with the, um, the hydraulic knee joint. Um, it's got a, a computer inside it. Um, I can control it from my phone, adjust the settings in it. It also adjusts itself the, um, the force of the hydraulics or the resistance of the hydraulics. It'll adjust itself 80 times per second um, to help me compensate the ground around me and my walking speed and, and stuff like that. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's um, not cheap either. You know, like I'm not sure if you if you want to talk about how much these things cost, but I just think that it probably adds to, you know, the awareness of of what 
golfers with disability and, and the costs associated and some of the, the, the measures that you have to go through. You know, so what does that, that look like? Yeah, look, my, my prosthetic legs that I'm standing on here, um, they're good for five years um, and they come at a cost of between three and four hundred thousand uh, dollars for the set of them. But, uh, you know, we talk adaptive equipment, stuff like that. You know, James's golf clubs, for example, have got uh, a glove that is bolted onto each shaft to enable him to play because he's got no grip. You know, things like those, uh, you're looking at about $100 a, a grip, $100 a glove. Um, you know, the, the Paramotion wheelchair, fantastic piece of machinery. Um, you know, go in the bunkers, on the greens, everywhere a golfer would normally go on a course. Um, those things come in at around the $45,000 mark. It's um, like the price of a small car. <laughs> yeah, they are, but they're, they're life-changing. Yeah. You know, they, they give someone who wouldn't normally have access to an area, they give them the ability to get out there and, and you know, feel part of the community and, and join their mates and have fun. So what does Empower Golf do? Tell us a little bit more about Empower and how it goes about helping golfers with disability get into golf, because really that's the important part that people, you know, we want everyone to understand. And, and if there's a way that, you know, anyone out there that hears this, you know, wants to support or, or can, can contribute, what, what is, what, is, what do you do? What's a week in you know, being the Queensland man on the ground for Empower Golf look like? Yeah, look, Empower Golf, we do clinics and lessons uh, for the disabled throughout Australia. We currently have 68 PGA professionals that, that uh, work for us, uh, do our clinics and on-course lessons, range lessons. We provide all the adaptive equipment. Um, we're the only organisation in Australia that is registered Australia-wide with the NDIS. So we, yeah, we provide all the lessons and everything through NDIS and other and, organisations. And in terms of coaches, so you help with the coaching, you can support that, but who does the coaching and, and, and why are the coaches and the role of a coach so important? Um, yeah, look, I, I, I do some of the coaching myself. Um, I'm just a community coach, but I've been working with disabled for 14 years. Um, so I know most of the disabilities inside out. Um, majority of our coaches, or all of our coaches, sorry, are, are PGA professionals that have done the All Abilities module through the ACE program. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're basically there to support them. We help them get set up. If they have a client that they're unsure of, you know, they, they make a call to us and we normally can point them in the right direction. So we're, we're full support of all our PGA pros. Are there, is there enough? PGA pros with the accreditation to support golfers with disability learn golf? Um, look, I, I don't think there are enough PGA pros. Well, we don't have enough at Empower Golf. So if you are watching this and you are a PGA pro, please reach out to us. Um, we can help you grow your business and help our disabled clients get out and live life and have fun. So yes, we're always after more PGA pros. There's never enough out there. Uh, if if the PGA pros that do listen to this, and there, I know there are a few, um, you know, are interested in going to the next step with becoming accredited to support the dis golfers with disability, learn golf and, and get into the game, how would they go about that? Just contact the PGA? Uh, you can contact Christian Hamilton at the PGA oh, or 
uh, you can go on to empowergolf.com.au and there's a link there to become a coach. Um, just complete the form and we'll be in touch and get everything set up. We make, make it easy. So we provide all your equipment. We handle all your NDIS paperwork, all that kind of stuff. Our aim is to get the coaches out doing what they do best and coaching people on course and not sitting behind a desk doing paperwork. You know, when you explained <clears throat> you know, some of the process for the support that you know, the NDIS gives golfers with disability that um, to play golf, the coaching part of it, and obviously the coaches get remunerated. This isn't, you know, this isn't work for free. The coaches get remunerated for their work, but the paperwork that goes with that, the NDIS and all that you handle, yeah. that's, that's, you're in the middle of facilitating all of that. And it's not, it's not just a push a button and on the computer and send it off. There's, there's a little bit to do with it, isn't it? Yeah, look, there's a, a lot to do with the NDIS. So we're registered in 209 categories in the NDIS. There's a lot of compliance that's uh, always changing. So we manage all of that. We make sure our, our coaches and our pros are fully compliant. They've got all the tickets that they need. Um, you know, if they do need new um, tickets or something, for example, like your NDIS screening check, it's $129 to apply for that, we cover that for our coaches. Um, we handle all the NDIS audits, all the paperwork, all the dealing with support workers and agencies. When you think about you know, those 14 years, some of the golfers that you've helped get into golf, you know, when you look back and you think, you know, that was a great outcome for that individual, what, what are some of those stories? Oh, look, we've, we've had some amazing people yeah. come through. You know, we've got, you know, one person comes to mind, um, you know, he didn't really play much golf and we he come along to our clinic and we got him out and in his first six months of playing he had three hole in ones and two eagles you know that's that's pretty amazing to do so. <laughs> three hole in ones and two eagles in the yeah. first six months of playing golf yep on three different par threes uh, uh, fantastic good friend of my podcast jamie glazier um from the mental mastery golf podcast that you know i'm a part of uh that will um, even inspire him more to go out and get a, and a hole in one. He's been waiting and, you know, some people don't count my hole in one because it was 1987 because it was that long ago. They sort of <laughs> scrap it if it's not in the current millennium. Uh, that's an amazing achievement. Your achievements are pretty strong in this game of golf, Ben. You know, and, and this week is not an insignificant week for you. Tell us about the events of Bali, what you went through, and what's led you to become the, in this great position, helping other golfers with you know, disabilities and, and all abilities um, get into the game? What, what it must be an incredibly emotional time for you. Yeah, look, it's it's coming up to the 20, 20 year anniversary of the two thousand and two Bali bombings, which I was involved in. I believe I'm one of the lucky ones that made it out. You know, I broke every bone in my body, lost my legs, lost my stomach muscles, a lot of burns and stuff. But you know, I'm one of the lucky ones that, that made it out. So 20, 20 years ago, I was in Bali on a buying trip. I used to import all the furniture and homewares for Indonesia. Um, never played golf before. Um, I was into boxing. So I was, you know, relatively fit. And I, um, I walked into the Sari Club to get a bottle of water on, on my way home. And uh, got my bottle of water in the Sari Club. I was walking out and I saw a van parked in the middle of the road and I thought, thought that's weird heard like a car backfire and that turned out to be a backpack bomb across the road and um, yeah on the way out 
the, I saw the fireball come out the side of the van. The van exploded, 400 kilos of explosives in it. And um, I got thrown around like a rag doll. Had some, uh, the power lines land on my shoulders and electrocute me and burn me. And then, yeah, I tried to get myself out, but was unable to. I had a big log across my legs. And uh, eventually two guys come in and drag me out of the bomb site and put me on the road next to a car, which then caught on fire and burnt all my back. And I was moved from that and up the street and into Sangala Hospital. So I taken to Sangala on the back of a, a ute, which I kept nearly falling off. But, uh, you know, I made it to the hospital. I remember going into ER at the hospital. And then there's a few hours I don't remember from there. Uh, I've, I've later found out that I was covered over with a sheet and they, um, they thought I was deceased. Uh, luckily, uh, a young guy I know, Clayton from Perth, was in the hospital at the time and he saw my arm move under the sheet and uncovered me and got the doctors over and off I went to a, a ward, um, which was an experience and a half. You know, the ward was absolute chaos. It was really hot, there's no air conditioning. Um, I remember they, they come in and started installing air conditioners in the ward to try and cool things down, but then they realised they put them in the walls, but they had no power to them, so they couldn't turn them on. Um, you know, and... They're just going through my head, you know, it, it's, it's hard. Um, um, I, it's, it's hard listening to, mate. And, you know, we talked about, you know, your willingness and preparedness to talk you know, in detail, you know, you, you said as we, as we got to know each other and before this, that, you know, you remember it all and, and you're happy to talk about it. Um, mm. It's hard to listen to. Yeah. I know it's hard to talk yeah. about. You know, Clayton from Perth. Yeah. You, so, you know Clayton from Perth now. Yeah, I know him now. He's a fantastic guy. I, I talk to him, you know, every now and then on the phone. Mm. Um, I haven't made it over to visit him yet, but uh, I've caught up with him a bit in Bali and... Uh, what was, what was Clayton in Perth doing? Why, why, why was um, he in the hospital? So, know? yeah, so Clayton lived over in Bali at the time. Yeah. Um, and pretty much all the expats and there, there was a, I believe there was a doctor's conference on in Bali at the time. When the bomb went off, all the, the expats and the doctors and that all went to the local hospitals to, you know, lend their support and help yeah. where they could. So, yeah, so Clayton, Clayton uncovered me and got me going again and, Asked me if he could contact anyone. I could barely talk. I was I was in a pretty bad way, um, and I, I jotted out some phone numbers to him. And he rang back home and rang my mum and said, "Hey, I'm here with your son. He's um, in a bad way. We're not really sure if he's going to make it, um, but we just wanted to let you know that that was the last mum heard of anything. She didn't know what was going on. Couldn't get into anyone." Yeah, and then, you know, the doctors started coming around and assessing everyone and my burns, my, my limbs were swelling. So when you're burnt, you swell really bad. Um, so the doctor said to me, look, sorry, we've, we've got no painkillers. We've got no anesthetics. We've got nothing. Um, and they had to slice open my arms and my legs to prevent the swelling and cutting the blood circulation. So they, they grabbed a Stanley knife or a box cutter, whatever you want to call it, and... Um, I remember watching clear as day slice open my arms um, uh, and I, I felt it. It was, um, yeah, pretty painful, but 
you know, it's, it's what kept me alive. Um, so they sliced my arms open, bandaged them up. Um, Clayton the whole time had standing over me with a fan, fanning me, a bamboo woven fan. And then, you know, the, the biggest relief was when the Australian Army come in. They come in and started triaging everyone and everyone got numbered, you know, one, two, whatever it went up to, a couple of hundred or something. And I had a number one on my chest. I was the worst person, uh, worst injured person alive in Bali at the time. So it was, uh, yeah, and from there, you know, once everyone was triaged, they started moving people out to a makeshift hospital at the Denpasar Airport. And I was supposed to go on the Hercules, first Hercules back, and I deteriorated pretty badly and I uh, wasn't able to be transferred. So I went on the second Hercules back and I, I flew into Darwin. So I remember until, remember being loaded on until they said there's 10 minutes till we land in Darwin. And then uh, I've lost probably three months of memory from there. So apparently I, I went into a coma and uh, I was operated on in Darwin. I had external fixtures put on my legs. So I still had my legs. So I was just badly burnt and badly broken. So they put external fixtures on to try and save them. And then I was flown via Learjet to Concord in Sydney where I later lost one leg and then the other leg. And um, my family were advised when I was in Concord that I had probably 5% chance of survival. So, you know, it's it pretty tough on the family. Um, but I was positive all the way through, you know, right back at, at Sangala, Dr. VJ, one of the Aussie doctors was there and he looked over me and he said, mate, he goes, if you make it back to Australia alive, he goes, you're gonna lose one of your legs, possibly two. And, you know, I remember his face looking at me saying that and I just said, look, mate, I don't care, I'm alive. Take my legs, I'm gonna make it back and I'll be fine. And, uh, you know, so just positive and, and believing in myself from the start that I could do it, you know. Um, it's, it's sort of like my walking, you know, I, I had all the doctors in the hospital say, hey, you'll never walk again. You know, your, your balance is from, comes from your hearing, which I'm deaf in one ear and I've only got about 50% in the other ear. Your balance always co also comes from your big toes, which I've got none, and also your stomach muscles. And I've only got half of my stomach muscles. So I had all the odds against me, but again, it's like, no, mate, you make me a set of prosthetic legs and I'll give it a go. Uh, they made me one prosthetic leg and said, there you go. When you can walk on one, we'll make you the other one. I was like, how do I do that? Anyway, I stood up, I, I persisted with it for about, you know, a week and I thought, this is just crazy. So that, uh, so one, they gave you one leg, so you had a crutch. One leg, one one leg. so I had crutches on one leg and I yeah. could stand up on one, yeah. one leg. And um, so I ended up finding a private guy and got two prosthetic legs made. Um, Spent two years on crutches, learning to walk. Um, and after two years, I, I gave my wheelchair away so I would never go in it again. It was more a, a mental thing to make me walk more. Um, gave my wheelchair away and flicked the crutches off and off I went. You know, I, I had a few spills. I've had, you know, a lot of crashes, but you just gotta, you gotta get up and keep going. You know, it's, it's, it's what you gotta do. You learn from from your errors and your mistakes, and and that's all I've done. It's uh, yeah, I I hadn't heard you tell that story before, Ben, and it's a 
you know, to think about what you went through and what all of the people who, you know, fortunately survived. And you've got to remember that many people didn't survive and lost their lives. And, you know, so when you say that you were lucky, you know, like, that's what you mean. You know, you survived. You were here, you know, at Barnboogle Dunes playing, about to play golf. Um, what does golf mean to you now? Like, you know, how did, how did you decide to find golf as a, as a way of a sporting, you know, outlet? Um, golf came about in 2007. There was an ad in the paper for the Australian Amputee Open. And I thought, you know, I haven't met any other amputees, really. I didn't know much about being an amputee. I, you know, I'd, I'd been an amputee since 2002. Um, 2007, I hadn't really met any. And there was an ad in the paper. And I showed my wife. And she goes, sign up. Go and, go and do it. Have some fun. Try it out. You know, I've never played golf before. And I don't know what I'm doing. It's, she's like, it doesn't matter. Just go and do it. And you know what I, I did? I, uh, I done it. I had another mate say, hey, what are you signed up for? You know, if you swing a golf club, you'll fall over. It'll throw you off balance while you're doing it. I was like, righto, let's, let's prove him wrong. Let's get out and do it. I signed myself up. I um, come last. I, I remember my first, my first ever score in the, the Australian Amputee Open, um, 138 off a stick. Um, which was an absolute disaster, but I had a ball doing it. I met so many amazing people. And, um, you know, from then on, I, I just, I went to all the amputee events. I ended up getting better and better and won my category in the amputee events for many years. Um, yeah, and learnt so much off the people I met and uh, eventually ended up being president of Queensland Amputee Golf Association. Um, done that for about seven years, six years. Had an absolute blast doing it, but I wanted to get out and help more people. And we were sort of limited to amputees with Queen's Amputee Golf. You know, they didn't want to change direction and support multi-disability, and I wanted to. So I got in contact with James Gribble from Empower Golf, and we ran our first ever clinic in Queensland in 2014 at Noosa Springs Golf Course. And we had three people in chairs. We had a brain injury and a couple of other people there and I had an absolute ball doing it. And from then on, I left Queensland Amputee Golf and James and I set off to grow in Power Golf Australia, which is what we've done. So when I, my first clinic in 2014 in Power Golf was relatively new, it was about a year old. So we're pretty much been together from the start and growing. It's fantastic. Um, over 15,000 disabled people through our clinics and services since we've started. Uh, and that's, that's an amazing achievement. It's an amazing achievement, but yeah, really, I'm, and the sense that I get is, is there's still so much more to do, so much more upside, so many more people that are interested in playing golf, especially now, you know, like golf has is, is become a great sport for people seeking the advantages and the benefits of golf as a healthy sport and you know so I can imagine that there's much more inquiry and you know that's why you need more help and and sponsors and funding and and you know the little bits are great but um, you know not that this is a plea for, for for sponsorship but you know if anyone does listen to it you know that, that wanted to you know like I know um, drum and golf everyone knows who's going to listen to this and hopefully more that you know I'm part of the drum and golf family and you know, Drum and Golf have, have donated to, to Empower Golf and, uh, and many people, I guess, have supported, but 
you know, there are some great brands here, Under Armour, who provide all of the, the apparel for the team to wear, Air Adventure, who have you know, shipped the team down to, to make content like this and, and take photos and show people. Um, but if you are a corporate or, or, or a, you know, an individual that wants to support Ben and James and the team, well, you, know, you just have to reach out to Ben at Empower Golf and, and, uh, and have a discussion. Um, that'd be okay, wouldn't it? Yeah, that'd be fantastic. We are a registered charity. Yep. Um, and, you know, donations in any way, whether it's, you know, media support or a anything at all, you know, we're open to anything that help can help us change people's lives for the better would be fantastic. Um, I don't, I, you know, I'm conscious of, of our time. You know, there's a golf course out there that's waiting to be torn apart by you blokes, so we've got to get prepared and get out there. But, you know, we talked about the support, the requirement for support, all of the support that you had through the, the guys in, in Bali, the Australian Defence Force, everything that happened, all the doctors and nurses and everyone that does such a wonderful job. If you had to talk about your family and the support that you get from your family, how would you describe that? Oh, my family are fantastic. You know, I couldn't live without them. My wife, Kerry, um, we've been together for a long time. Um, she supports everything I do. You know, I'm away a bit. She does come away with me. Last week we we're in Tanunda Pines, South Australia. We're lucky enough to have the whole family with me. Fantastic. Um, you know, all my golf and everything she supports. My two kids, I've got Sheridan, 15, and Rory, who's 10. Um, you know, they, they love what I do. They come to my clinics every now and then. Rory wants to be a PGA professional. He wants to be a coach. Um, he comes to all of my clinics and learns off our PGA pros. Has an absolute ball, you know. They, they love everything everything that I do. They support everything I do. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I couldn't do it without them. They're amazing. Kerry, Rory and Sheridan. I've heard this man talk about you for the last couple of days and, uh, and I know he misses you. Uh, but he's having a great time. He's all right. He's in good hands. Don't worry. But, uh, you know, I, I hope you guys watch this. I'm sure you will. But, uh, you know, you're an amazing, amazing bunch of people, amazing family. And, uh, and one day I'll get to meet you guys and uh, I'll come up there in Queensland. And uh, this bloke probably has to give me some shots uh, up there, I reckon. He's doing that well. Ben, <clears throat> mate, thanks very much for, uh, thanks very much for letting me be your roomie. Um, you know, we got we got chucked together, and and uh, and here we are. We've, this is what was that our third night together? It is. And uh, no, it's it's uh, it's been great uh, so far. We've got another night to go, and um, you know, I've loved the opportunity to get to know you a bit better. And nothing's been a drama. Hopefully, nothing's been a drama for me being your roomie on my side, other than dominating the charging uh, for all his camera equipment and audio equipment. But uh, yeah, there's no powerpoints left. He's taken them all. But uh, it's been good, mate. It's been great. No, it's been fantastic. Thanks for bunking with me. Ah, uh, no worries. We've got a big couple of days still to go. Um, got uh, Barnboogle uh, Lost Farm today, Barnboogle Dunes tomorrow. I think there's some other proper media coming, you know, Channel 7, Channel 9, doing some stuff. So yep. uh, by the time you've seen that, you have probably you know, wouldn't have seen this yet. But it's a, it's a big deal down here in, uh, in Tassie for the guys to get here. And, and Barnboogle have really got uh, behind it. Biz Sattler has you know, gone into... Um, overdrive with the, the PR and making sure that you know the Empower Golf team are, are getting the coverage that they deserve down here um, and the guys at Cape Wickham were great, the guys at Ocean Dunes, 
all gone to the extra level to make sure that this group is, is having a great time. You know, extra carts, um, all the bits and pieces that, that you need to get an organisation, uh, get the organisation for the team to, to get out there on the golf courses happen seamlessly. And, um, and if, you're, if you're a golfer in a golf group and you want to come down to Barnboogle, you know, you can fly in at the airport, which is just over there. I'm pointing over there. You can not, not see it from here. It's over in Lost Farm. Um, John and his team at Air Adventure Golf Travel will fly down here on the Pilatus PC-12. It's got to be the best golf jet, not in Australia, but on the planet. A lot of the pros that have their own jets use the Pilatus PC-12. Well, the Air Adventure guys fly the Pilatus PC-12. I love that. I've never been on it yet, but the Pilatus PC-12. Um, Johnny at Air Adventure. Can, can we get a tour of the Pilatus PC-12? Do you think we could organise that? Probably. I've been on it. It's fantastic. The white leather? The white leather. Oh, white leather. Uh, well, and if you're one of the lucky passengers, mm. you can get to sit in the front next to the pilot. Oh, that's my dream. Fantastic. Mate, well, dreams do come true, and, and we're living uh, part of our golfing dream right here. Uh, mate, I don't think you ever dreamt what would have happened to you. I'm not sure what your dreams were when you were lying there in Bali and then in Concord Hospital recuperating, but... You know, I'm sure a lot of people had dreams of you getting to here and, and here we are. So, mate, thanks, brother. Fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the My Love of Golf podcast. That's Ben Tullipan from Empower Golf. It's been an absolute pleasure sitting here. Uh, let's go on the golf course, bud. Let's hit it.